Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are. All right, listeners, I got a special person with us today, and I'm just blessed. I get to find all these special people to be a part of what we're doing. So today we have Bridget Zoltek with us. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. She's got a really extensive resume and bio, and this isn't everything about her, but I do want to give you a little background about her. She's the founder of Unlimited Learning. She's an education therapist and a Christian life coach in private practice since 2003. As an educational therapist, she helps people of all school ages, professionals including doctors, educators, real estate agents, business owners. As a life coach, she gets to help families cultivate health dynamics, helps women grow and heal after exiting abusive relationships, students cope with and heal after bullying, adults develop empowering beliefs, behaviors, and communication, and adults recovering from codependency. While operating on limited learning, Bridget has written five books. Her Smart Study Skills, Student Edition, and Teacher's Guide have been used as a study skill curriculum in two of the top Christian private schools in Central Florida since they were published in 2012. Before devoting herself to unlimited learning, Bridget was director of a private cognitive development clinic. During her time there, she was trained in and used over 30 different research-based programs, headed the research department, trained and supervised clinicians, and provided professional development. As a public speaker, she's, she's talked at University of Central Florida, International Dyslexia Association, Nova Southeastern University. In addition to being all of this an industry leader in learning, she's also a mother. She's also both a fine artist and a licensed commercial artist. Her art features imagery of hope, healing, and joy. And that woman that just described all of you is here with us today. So, hey, Bridget, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, such, so honored. So really appreciate you being a part of this and being an educational therapist. And I just know you're going to be able to bring something to the table that no other guest has been able to bring to us so far. And so just open to learning from you. I just want to start where we always start with people. I'd love to learn a little bit about you. So tell us what in your life might be an event or situations flipped your lid and caused you to eventually have to reconnect to finding out who you really are. Um, well, <laughs> it's in my life, I've had many opportunities mm-hmm. to do that. It's, it's like pick a card at right. a card game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one that comes immediately to mind was um, in 2015, I got served with a lawsuit mm. from my ex-husband who I divorced in 2014. And um, I know a lot about education. I know a lot about learning. I know nothing about lawsuits. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I remember answering or um, going out to get the mail. And I got the mail out of my mailbox. And there was this letter that had from the law office of on it and it wasn't my lawyer and you never like those letters (laughs) and so I went oh what is this and I opened it up and then I folded it back up I went in my house Uh, my son was home he was 12 at the time and I walked in and I said I need you to go to your friend's house 
up the hill. Mm. So I sent him off to play and I went in my bedroom and I tried to read the papers. None of it made any sense to me. Right. And so then I decided I didn't want to be home when Connor came home. So I got my car and I drove to a park and then I called um, one of the moms who I had helped before. She was a lawyer. And she told me if I ever needed anything, wow. she, she was one of the people I helped at, at one of the Christian schools. And I knew she was a godly woman and I knew she wouldn't steer me wrong. And so I called her and I said, I don't know what to do about this. And she asked me to read her the first page. So I did. And um, she said, well, I don't do family law, but my boss does. Mm. And he's a godly man. And you go, this was on Saturday. She said, I'm going to call him right now. And you're going to go see him Monday. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And I sat down and I, I showed him the papers. And he said, well, it says here that you're in contempt court. And I said, uh, I read that part. That's the only part I understand. Nothing <laughs> logical in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I said, but but I, I, I don't have any. How can you be in contempt court when you didn't do anything? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. And so I started getting a real big lesson on civil law and how you don't have to be guilty in order to be charged with something. You just have to not reply. Uh. If you don't reply, you automatically default. And my ex had counted on me not having the money to hire a lawyer and not reply. So that started a two-year journey through the legal system and guided by this man who I kindly refer to as my guardian angel. Oh, that's amazing. And, um, but I did, I did come home from that meeting. There was lots of crying during the meeting. I, I felt like I had gotten kicked in the gut, mm -hmm. finding out that I was accused of things I hadn't done. And, and that it's, legal to accuse people wow. of things they haven't done and it it just made me sick to yeah. my stomach to to understand that and um and that's when I started praying and I prayed real hard and I prayed that no matter what that I could lose everything that, that I could walk out of this not only penniless, please, God, don't let my son get taken away from me. Mm -hmm. Because that was part of the plan. The plan was have me arrested while I was arrested, seize the house wow. and my child. And so... So this is this is a plan, a deliberate plan from a man you had married, you believed you loved, and had a child with. Who I had been married to for 19 years, yes. 19 years. Yes. Wow. Um, and um, I'm a very peaceful woman. Mm -hmm. I don't like to do battle. <laughs> However, my daddy was a drill sergeant, and, <laughs> and he did teach me that... Um, don't ever throw the first punch, but make sure you're not the one on the ground at the end. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that. And um, so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I, I came to peace with a decision. And that decision was I was going to learn every single thing that was practical knowledge that I could apply immediately to change the trajectory of my life mm. from that moment on. And I prayed that God would lead me to the right resources and he would let me use my resourcefulness mm. to acquire knowledge and help and to fight the good fight. Yeah. Um, lots of ugliness between point A and point B. Um, over two years later, when the judge banged the gavel on her little wooden thing, whatever they call that, <laughs> she, <laughs> she said, um, let me make something perfectly clear before I hand on my ruling. And she said, um, contempt of court is the power of the court to enforce a deliberate um, neglect of following court orders. It is not a power of one spouse to harass and torment another. Mm. And she said in the, in the charge about Mrs. Zoltek not paying child support, she said, considering child support was never even ordered, um, and she never requested it the first time. She said she is not guilty. Mm. On the contrary, we will, we will be having a child support hearing to find out how much you owe Mr. Zoltek. Wow. And she said on the charge that Mrs. Zoltek did not pay insurance, she is not guilty. He would not give her the documents to pay. Mm. She said in the charge about not paying for the mortgage on the house, she said you went and had the house refinanced to where she only had to pay $24 a month. She said she is not guilty. Mm. And she said um, there was also another charge where he said that I owed taxes. And um, she said as far as that charge goes, she said, let me make this perfectly clear that when your assets were split, you wanted to drive the bus. So you went and cashed out everything on your own, Mr. Zoltek, and then you divvied it out to her what you wanted her to have. Mm -hmm. You did not go through the court system. You did not do what was supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. And there have been many fraudulent claims in this case. And she said, oh, you drove the bus right off the cliff. Wow. She said, you are not guilty. And so um, we not only won the case, but they had to pay legal fees. So it was, so I got to keep my son. Mm -hmm. I got to live in the house until we had agreed to sell it. Mm -hmm. And um, my lawyer has, he made the most astounding suggestion he said, uh, Miss Bridget, which is what all the kids at school call me, 
because nobody can manage my last name. Right. And, <laughs> and he said, Miss Bridget, I think you should teach other women how to show up in court mm. and how to navigate being a wonderful client for a lawyer. He said, I've never in 30 something years of practicing law saw somebody come in with a three inch, three ring binder that had tabs on it that had every document you ever had and was a hundred percent transparent. Wow. And and I kind of laughed at that. And he said, I'm not kidding, ask my legal aides. No, we've never had that. Hmm. And um I looked down and I laughed and he said, why are you laughing? And I said, well, I did research for a living for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I know how to get organized. (laughs) So I firmly believe, you know, my lawyer always said, he said, we walk on the side of angels. Mm. And he said, you know, this is, this is why he practices law. And this is why I talk to other people about, Find them the strength when you don't think there is any. Yeah, when you don't think there is any. Nah, yeah. because if you really want to know what I've learned, you have to know where I've been. Right. You know, yeah. and and my story doesn't belong to me. It belongs to somebody who it touches. Yeah, that's good. Because that's who it helps. Right. You know, right. and that little mess three years ago, you know, totally prepared me for 2020 and when uh, March 15th hit and here in Florida all the sidewalks rolled up and everything was shut down Hmm. both of my businesses closed overnight wow um I didn't have a client in my educational therapy business until July I believe and um, just had my first art show November. Mm. And so I had a long time with a lot of time on my hands. Yes, you did. <laughs> and found out, consequently, when I did not get, I couldn't get my unemployment cleared. I couldn't get food stamps. I couldn't get, um, they all had, it, it the process was there and they all had my paperwork, but they all said it was frozen. Mm. And then I didn't get my IRS refund check. And then I didn't get my stimulus check. And eventually um, being resourceful, <laughs> I, I found a blog that had a number for the IRS where you could reach a real person. And it talked about how to navigate the phone tree so press this and don't say anything and then press that. And then when it asks this, do that. So I followed that and I got a real person. And I discovered that um, my identity had been stolen. Wow. And that I was reported dead. <laughs> and, the, and this just happened. This, this just year. happened. This year. This year. Wow. This year. And... I, I've never been so gobsmacked in my life. I, I went, well, bet not. I, well, I, what? Who would want to be me first? <laughs> <laughs> and then next, what do you do? 
how, how do I, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, but how do you know that I am who I am? And the guy had me go back to a tax return from 2015 and read him the routing number off of the line in the, the refund area. Mm. And um, he asked me a whole bunch of other questions about previous years and my schedule C's and all this stuff. And then he told me that I needed to contact credit bureaus. And I did. And, and <laughs> you know how they have those questions? It'll say, well, for the past three years, you've lived at this address. Right. What street? And it, it didn't have my street. <laughs> and I went, huh. Well, that must be the, that one false red herring. They throw out there the none of the above. So then the next one, it said, we show that within the past four years, you've bought a brand new car. Who's it financed through? And I went, oh, that's not sounding good because I, I didn't do that. Right. None of the above. Wow. <laughs> and the next one, it shows in the past 10 years, you've bought a house. I went, nah, <laughs> none of the above. <laughs> and, of course, it locked me out. And um, so then I had to go through submitting paperwork to even see my credit reports because I couldn't even look at them and tell what was wrong. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a journey. And after that day, um, I shut my bedroom door. I threw a temper tantrum mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. In, in fine Irish style. Right. And I prayed again, hard. And I kept praying for several days. I prayed for protection. I prayed for strength. I prayed for understanding. I prayed to learn whatever lesson it was that I kept getting thumped on the head with. Please show me the lesson. And then I slept. And when I woke up, I was at peace. And I got a plan together and I started writing my letters to the credit agencies and all that. And I I contacted my landlord and was, you know, um, the um, the uh, uh, and the pass for being evicted, the moratorium was being lifted in July. Mm. This was in June. And so I prayed hard that somebody somewhere was going to get a check to me by July so that I could make sure that that rent got paid and we still had a place. And and that happened. Mm. And um, my landlord was very, very understanding. Mm. And... um, And then I got real quiet again. I started kind of going a little stir crazy like everybody did, you know. And I thought, what do I do with myself? I'm not teaching. I I haven't had this big a break in 30 years. I don't know what to do with myself. 
And so I prayed and the message came down that I was to create. Hmm. And if there was no one there to take care of me and comfort me, then I was to do that myself. Yeah. So I started painting and I started designing purely what I needed mm-hmm. for myself mm-hmm. to put in front of me every day as I sat at my computer. Yeah. And one painting became two, two became three. And the next thing you know, it was September <laughs> and I had 12. And so they became a calendar and it is available for anyone to take the lessons out of 2020 and to soothe us as we navigate 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. But I, I, we we got to unpack this. I know. All right, let's, <laughs> let's unpack this because, again, there's too many of our listeners and too many people who know what it's like to go from being in love with someone designing an adult life with someone and that person then becomes your enemy becomes a person who is trying to more than trip you up every corner. Mm -hmm. And so obviously there's a lot within that 19 years, but just to talk about for a second, what it's like to have two years of your life. So trying to be peaceful, but knowing just, we all have trauma responses of the level of can can you sleep? Can you eat? How do you interact with your son? Do you feel safe out in public? Just that. And then knowing that, that most women happens, some men, but it's mainly women. Most women stand in front of a judge and they don't find justice. And you did, you had a a judge who said so clearly, like, I know the game. Like she called him out. Right. Yeah. It, I had to learn a lot about trauma during that time. That was one Mm -hmm. of the first things I did was I went and researched some things and I, I learned he wasn't the first abusive person in my life. Mm. And I discovered why. He did. Um, I had been through therapy and counseling many different times. And we would get to a point and then I would need more practical day-to-day. What can I actually do? Not how can I think about it, but what can I do mm-hmm. to help this? And there aren't a lot of therapists out there who have lived through the trauma mm-hmm. who actually have practical knowledge of it. Right. So that became kind of a, an odd thing. And when I went through this journey, one of the things I was just bound and determined, not only was I going to figure out why things happened, but how could I not do it again? Mm-hmm. And I did discover, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Stop Walking on Eggshells. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, that became that became a, a well-worn book I for bet. me you ate that, that year. You? Yeah. And went through the workbook and the whole bit. Mm-hmm. And that helped tremendously because I began understanding how my responses fueled the fire. Mm. and I had to stop saying certain things like that's a lie Mm -hmm. 
And instead I had to say, I'm only going to talk about facts. Yeah. That's all I'm going to talk about. Right. And then I had to go through a tremendous amount of deep diving to figure out where it started and why this person was attractive to me at any point in time Mm -hmm. and where that template came from. Yeah. And as I read that book and it gave a lot of um, behavioral descriptions, I went, Oh, Oh, Oh my goodness. Oh crap. That's nailed it. Got it. Right. Oh, now what do I do with that? <laughs> you know? And then I had to, I mean, there's a lot of exercises in it and, but they only got me so far. Mm-hmm. I, I could still feel it welling mm-hmm. up in me and trauma responses, mm-hmm. as you would say, and I would still get triggered all the time. Oh, sure. And um, so I started finding new um, resources. I started, I started researching in a different direction. Mm. Instead of looking there, I started researching journaling, writing. How can writing help you? Because mm. every therapist I ever had told me to journal, but I'd say, well, what do you want me to journal about? And, and they'd say, well, whatever you feel. Mm. Well, I would then just get stuck in my feelings. Right. Yeah. And it it was a temporary measure, but it didn't really resolve anything. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it comes to like old issues, childhood stuff around my parents and my stepmother, they're dead. Yeah. I can't go have a conversation with these people, you know, mm-hmm. just writing about how rotten you were really was not helpful. <laughs> And so, so um, I then found a lot of different resources about nonfiction narrative. Mm. And um, I started writing like that. Mm-hmm. And I started telling my story to myself. Yeah, that's good. And... And then I would let everything out from a whole different perspective because I have now been through it instead of going through it. And I could reflect and not relive it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I didn't get stuck anymore. Yeah. And then I could write a new ending. Yeah, that's right. And I decided that the distance between everything I wanted And where I was that day was language. Mm -hmm. And I was going to master how I could use my language to help myself through this. I didn't have to just react and respond to everybody else's stuff. Right. You know, Um, so, you know, the way I see it is that a lot of the wounding that was done And that is done in the world today is through words. Mm -hmm. Words can also heal. Right. Almost everything God gave us as a gift is a double-edged sword. We just have to make the right choice on which side to use. Mm -hmm. And 
So I decided I was going to do as much of that as I could because I didn't have any financial resources to go do things with. And, and I did have a son and I had to be available for him. So I had to contain my stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't speak badly about his father, you know, right. and I had to navigate the court system. Right. And that meant you can't get hysterical. You can't just mm-hmm. go berserk and flip your lid on the judge. You right. know, you can't create drama mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. You have to have a logical self-talk to tell you what documents to copy, where to go, what to get. How do you do this? When, when are your deadlines? I had to become real conscious mm-hmm. of this and... It was a very challenging time. Yeah, I can imagine. And and really, so much you said is so powerful therapeutically. And that's partly understanding that when you're dealing with someone, particularly someone with a personality disorder, that we have to know how to hold our own. And that meaning, you know, the things that you might say to someone else won't apply when you're talking to someone who's narcissistic. Will not apply when you're talking to someone who's looking, who's mm-hmm. looking to harm you, right? And so we have to be really careful how we advise people, what we say to people. But I hear you thinking, like I love the example of because to, to someone else, like you can say to me, Kim, that's a lie, and I can reflect. Mm-hmm. Saying that to someone who is struggling with a personality disorder, like that can that can become. It's a bad idea. <laughs> Three days of toxic shame, possibly being hit, having to go, having to leave for the night. Like it becomes so much more than that. And when we learn how to be in the moment, in the middle of your biggest trauma moment and, and hold your own and try to stay connected to yourself, a whole lot of work has to be done to get there. And we can't always stay there, but just right, a right. chance of being there. Right. Ooh, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And it, like you said, you can't always stay there. Right. You know, there. I remember a day when I got 75 texts in one night. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. ah, right. stop. Right. What, what, stop it. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. And, and I had to go reflect back on all the codependency issues that I can't make you stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't. But as you I said, can't. there's things you're doing and this is not ever mean that it's okay for a man to hit you, demean you, talk badly about you. But there are things that you can do to mm-hmm. to either add fuel to the fire. Again, not your fault the fire's there. No, right. It's, it's going to make it worse. Or it can, you can learn how to see what codependency actually is. Right. So that you can stay self-contained instead of going into your own disorder, which adds That's to right. the other person's disorder. That's right. And, and would harm my child. Oh, absolutely. You're exactly right. You know, and, and that, that nonsense, I I just wasn't going to do that to another generation of people. Right. Right. And so it, it was very difficult to accept. I remember when we got his diagnoses and I had worked for a school psychologist back at the clinic before I opened my own place. So I knew what the diagnosis meant. Mm-hmm. I was just shocked by it. Mm-hmm. Never in a million years occurred to me. You know, I, I guess nobody wants that diagnosis, you know, mm-hmm. and 
um, I had gone in my own counseling session and I said, let me get this straight. What you're telling me is I will never, I have literally a zero probability of having an emotionally connected life with this person. Mm -hmm. And he cried and he said, yes. Mm. And I said, I'm going to have to swallow that. Yeah. And I'm going to, and so about a year of my life was beginning to learn how to manage life with someone with a personality disorder. Right. And Again, you can only do so much. I, I can't wrangle mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. I can just manage my part. Right, right. Um, but it's, it's tough. And it's been tough teaching that to my child. Mm-hmm. Because you have to, he's 18 now. And you have to face, it's glaringly obvious when you have two households to go to mm-hmm. where one is peaceful and tranquil and calm. And the other is a constant source of upheaval, mm-hmm. drama, chaos, yeah. chaos emotional upset. Mm-hmm. Why is it so different? Mm-hmm. So we yeah. had to have yeah. some, yeah. some interesting did, talks. Did you have to detox him once he came back to your home? Was there like a, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, after the first couple of months, Um, I arranged so that our switching schedule happened on a Friday so that um, I would, he would get dropped off to school. I would pick him up from school Mm -hmm. and he would have a detox time of two days to adapt Mm -hmm. to mm, this other set of rules and behaviors and boundaries and expectations and by Monday, he could function at school. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's a really, really good point for any mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. that if you're share if you're sharing parenting with someone, and you you're trying to co-parent mm-hmm. with someone with who is toxic, mm-hmm. that child needs detox time. Right. And, and I will tell you that you will not take it personal. That's right. You will not co-parent with a narcissist. You will not. You will be the primary parent and you will be the one who detoxes your child and yourself. And that is why we just, and I think that's part of you being a Christian life coach and helping other women help understand we have to identify what am I doing that Mm -hmm. still allows me to be entangled with the narcissism or personalizing narcissism. Right. Because, you know, I know many people who are divorced and they're not divorced because it's still exactly. so messy. It's so messy dealing with it. They're not emotionally divorced. You can right. be legally divorced and emotionally you can still be entangled. Very much. And it, it amazes me. And yet it's, it's so easy. It is. It's so easy. It's when you, when you never learned how to not be entangled to begin with. Well, and here, here's the issue. If, if you use some of your, because, you know, compassion and codependency can, can, can look the same at times, but if you treated me the same way with certain things, how you talk to me or talking about my emotional needs, if you did that with me, it's going to land in a place of safety and health. You do it with a narcissist and what they hear is weakness. 
Oh yeah, they see it's it's like throwing chum out to the sharks. Right. Right. And exactly. and I did not get that mm-hmm. my entire marriage. Yeah. My my whole time I thought everyone responds to nice people. Mm-mm. Everyone responds right. to regard yeah. Yeah. and boundaries and respect. Yeah. No, no, right. they don't. No. Right. Yeah. No. It, it's it's why Most we, people Right. Most people, it's why we have to understand when you're talking about love your neighbor as you love yourself. That does not mean if you want a surprise party, you throw them a surprise party. That right. Is, that is not what that means. That can get you, even without <laughs> dealing with the nurses, that gets you in a lot of trouble in a marriage anyway, and in a friendship. But in a toxic marriage, that is not, it will never pan out. You keep hearing that and you'll use that in the wrong way and it causes incredible entanglement. Yeah. There was, um, I had to really untangle my head about getting divorced as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure. Um, I was raised Catholic. Mm. And so I was pretty convinced that I had to stay married or I would burn in hell. Yeah. And that was a tough one for me. Oh, I bet. And um, it fed that belief fed into if I work harder at this, it can become more tolerable. We right. can make it better. I can, I can help. Right. You know? Yeah. And I remember one day I am um, when writing, one of the things I learned how to do is have somebody else read your work. Mm-hmm. Make sure you didn't skip any words or that it makes sense and they can follow directions. Right. So I, handed my husband at the time um, some worksheets and they were about disempowering beliefs and toxic behaviors. And they were about your top three. Hmm. So he, he filled them out. He wrote them down. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, well, you know, what would you like to do to change those? You know, which was my next line in coaching. (laughs) And he looked at me and gave me an answer that that it never occurred to me anyone would ever give. And that was nothing. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. And I went, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> huh? And, but you just said that you're this and this and this, and it makes you feel this and this and this. You don't want to feel better? No. No, it works for him. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just went, huh. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for reading the papers. And I went out in my backyard and I just sat and looked at a tree for a while and I prayed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was as if God came down and hugged me. Oh, that's beautiful. And said, it's not your fault and it's okay. Yeah. Not your responsibility. Not, Not you didn't do this. You couldn't have done it. Right. And you can't fix it. You did not create this problem, so you can't fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. I'm going to love you anyway. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and you then I them, went, okay. Whew. Yeah. Ah, that was a good one. <laughs> you're, you're making such an excellent point. I want you all to visualize this, that for a lot of you, if, you, if you're at your own home and you're sitting on the couch and someone else is diligently, fervently, cleaning your house, scrubbing things, carrying on. It's your, it's your spouse, best friend, whomever. And you just sit there and watch them clean. 
three-fourths of y'all can't watch someone else clean. You would pitch in. You would help. You would feel powerless them doing everything. It would bother you that they're cleaning the whole house and you're just sitting there. Narcissistic people and certain types of personalities will sit there and feel very powerful watching you. So mm-hmm. as where you would feel powerless, the narcissist feels powerful that you're doing everything and feels entitled that you're doing everything. So because those are such different worlds and opposite ends of the spectrum, the things you're doing to try to make it better may be encouraging it to stay where it is. It did. And, and I went inside from that. And I said, you know, You know how you um, get real annoyed with me and real angry when I play music and dance through the house? (laughs) What a horrible thing to do. (laughs) And he said, oh, yeah, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And Mm -hmm. I said, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know how, you know, you sarcastically call me Susie Sunshine? And he said, yep. And um, I said, I'll bet I drive you nuts. I'll bet that me wanting peace and tranquility and happiness and joy just grates on your last nerve. And he said, oh, my God, it does. I can't stand it. And I said, I'm real sorry about that. Until today, I never understood your perspective. Mm. And I apologize and I'm not going to stop. So just so you know, I'm not force feeding you, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to change who I feel like I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Because it makes you uncomfortable. Right. Right. And um, I will, however, not try to make you crazy with it. Yeah. I'm not trying to change you. I am mm-hmm. going to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it was very shortly thereafter. He said, you're serious. You're, you're going to be happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, I, I am. I don't believe that God looked down on me the day that I was born and said, her, go torture her. Yeah, that's right. I said, no, I, I had a I had a rough childhood. Mm-hmm. No, Mm-mm. I'm an adult now. I don't think that that's. That was the plan for me. Yeah. And so I'm going to be happy. That's really powerful. And about, oh, I'd say 10 days afterwards, I was served with papers. I, I was about to ask you, seriously, I was about to ask you, how much long were you all together after that? It, not long. Because he, honestly, and, he, he and can't handle it. Was not, I, I, it wasn't some hysterical, big, sobbing mm-hmm. scene, and I didn't make any... Right drama I said all that real calmly and mm-hmm. he just knew there is strength in that quiet resolve yeah that's good there's strength in that quiet resolve and also come yeah, out of being loud yeah and him him knowing that he can't control you any longer oh yeah yeah no he he figured yeah. that out real quick <laughs> yeah so the three c's of Al-Anon is you can't you didn't cause it you can't cure it you can't change it and so for people to stop trying to change it, trying to believe they are the cause of it, they have to actually find out what the cause is for them that they're subconsciously attracted to that relationship. 
And, right. And it sounds like you did an excellent job of, of finding out your initial narrative and then writing a new narrative for you. Right. And, and knowing that um, it, way many, many years ago, when it, um, far, far too many to give a number to, right. <laughs> I had read the original Codependent No More book. Mm-hmm. Melody Because Baby. my parents were alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And um, a counselor suggested it. And so I read it and went through everything and got a lot of benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. And during my deep dive, um, after I read Eggshells, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I discovered this phenomenal woman who had furthered research on codependency, Mia Pella. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, Pia. Yeah, Pia Melody. Mm-hmm. And her work on codependency rocked my world mm. because it took it to a whole new level. Right. And I was older. I understood more. I thought it only had to do with drug and alcohol dependence. Right. That's right. That's my my husband was sober as a judge. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't drink or do drugs. Yeah. I thought I had married this wonderful guy. He was steadily mm-hmm. employed. He didn't drink or do drugs. He had a college education. Mm-hmm. You know, he had right. a stable career. Right. I had no idea that that person could be toxic. Mm-hmm. Well, I I never factored mental health in, right. obviously. Right. And But I didn't know that that could trip those same codependent feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. And, a, and so that was real eye opening for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think and I'm really glad you're, you're saying that because, you know, initially the codependent was the co alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. Because every alcoholic has to have an enabler, has to, they're co alcoholic. And later mm-hmm. got turned to codependency. Like you're very resourceful in understanding that codependency has a lot to do with this. There's someone in your life as a child that their mood, their affect dominates your mood and your affect. Mm-hmm. And so you learn if you're going to survive, you have to try to please them. Yeah. Or you have to stay out of the way. That's what it is. It is not limited to a house of alcoholism or drug right. addiction at all. Right. It's totally, it, it explains um, why I stayed in toxic work environments. Yep. That's right. You for got a long it. time. Yep. And um, why my diligence and competency mm-hmm. would work for me and against me all at the same time. Right. Um, it would feed that negative train of criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot that had nothing to do with the substance. Right. And right. I didn't really put those dots together until that point in time. And then I went, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. this is, this is liberating. This is, Oh, Oh, there's, there's an answer. I can, I can now be in recovery and understand I can still get triggered. That's right. You know, and then go, okay, what do I do about that? Mm Mm-hmm. What, what do I need to work on? What's that? What tripwire got tripped? Right. That's right. Yeah. And then go back and work a little bit more on that. Yeah. And it's, it passes. 
Yeah, that's right. And you know, it's just we're not we're not called to always be in connection. It's really to see when we come out of connection, right? Mm-hmm. That we go into a trauma response, that we stay there a shorter period of time. We can right. we can auto-regulate or have someone co-regulate with us and get there a little bit that's faster. Right. right. You're not gonna stay in what's called ventral vagal, your place of connection at that's all right. times. Yeah. That's right. And and it's it's not letting my life get derailed yeah. by others. Right. That's right. You know, it, it, you now have, it's yeah. a little blip on my radar going, oh, you're, <laughs> that's that thing again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, this is what I really hear with you that a lot of times people who struggle with codependency don't have a hard time coming to this. All of us do, but particularly codependency because that's such a difficult thing to, to fight against. And, and that is that you have agency over yourself. Mm-hmm. You've really done the work that no lawsuit, no stolen identity, nothing will have agency over you but your relationship with God. That's it. You That's decided right. that. That's right. That's right. It's, you know, and um, during my temper tantrum <laughs> right. this past year, you know, I, I ran and railed and carried on and went, what, what are you going to throw at me next? A meteor? It isn't going to matter. Right. It's, it's not going to matter because I'll deal with it and I'm not going to give up my faith. I'm not going to mm-hmm. give up. The, the scariest thing um, in the art world, there, there are quite a few either agnostics or atheists mm-hmm. and religion gets brought up quite a bit. Um, and a lot of artwork around it. Uh-huh. And um, I listen to a lot of conversations that I don't take part in. But one thought I have is that is one of the scariest things I could ever conceptualize mm. is that I am the strongest force in the universe. That's terrifying to me. Right. Because sure. I know how how that would be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And, and not in, you know, an egotistical way, but in, in a very humbling way to Mm -hmm. where I know that I'm not all that in a bag of chips, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I need to lean on my face. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's beautiful. And it's, it's such a testimony that, you know, things don't go well because we believe. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get really confused and they, you know, believe that if, that they, once you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that things will go well. If it doesn't go well, that God's mad at them. And that's more. Or you're not a good enough Christian. You're not a good enough Christian. You didn't pray enough. You didn't do enough. That's not relationship, right? That's that's controlling. That's not relationship. And so we're truly in relationship with him. We don't have to be under that, that falsehood anymore. But I just think the freedom you found it's so beautiful mm-hmm. because your circumstances say that you don't find freedom, but you decided, right. you decided that with God, it wasn't about the circumstances. It was about your relationship with him. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the, um, I don't need the planets and stars and everybody else to align perfectly to experience his peace. That's right. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I can't tell you. And you probably know this because you're as an educational leader and therapist and as a Christian life coach. 
of how many people need to hear that just on a repetitious basis for us to get it. Right. That it doesn't have to all line up for us to be okay. Right. Yeah. Right. And so you're, you're and a testament of that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Strong. It's, it's, I'm a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you're working at it and it is work. It is work. It is heavy lifting. It's and heavy I lifting. this is not a quick fix. Yeah. And it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to take some really tough looks in the mirror. Right. And I'm going to ask you some really soul searching questions. Right. And if you're not willing to do the heavy lifting, I'm not your coach. Right. That's right. If you are, yeah. then I can get you to the other side and I can give you right. real practical mm-hmm. things to do to get you mm-hmm. through your day. But if you're just going to say, well, I, I, I want a quick fix. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any. Yeah, not not when it's this complicated, especially this year, right? Well, yeah, I'm so glad that you're available for people. So I'm going to throw you in the hot seat, in the the therapist hot seat real quick. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, just give real quick answers. Um, Whatever whatever comes to mind first is what we're going to go with. All right, okay. First word that comes to mind when you hear compassion. Mother Teresa. Great answer. Most normal thing about you. Eating. What is your what is your biggest fear? Cockroaches. That's a good one. They're nasty. All right. What would be what is your dream car? And they're like this big. They're ridiculous. Huge. You can have them. I don't want them. What what would be your uh, what would be your dream car? Oh. Corvette. Corvette? All right. What year? What year Corvette? 65. 65. Good answer. If you had to give yourself a new name, what would it be? Ooh. First response, huh? First response. (laughs) Sparkle. Sparkle. Beautiful. That's so good. I love it. That's so good. And no narcissistic person out there is going to take away that sparkle either. (laughs) All right. Last question. What does your playlist reveal about you? Oh, it's very eclectic. I have a wide variety of interests. Yeah. Yeah. Very eclectic woman. Well, Bridget, you're, you're amazing. I, I know that our listeners have learned something today. If they want to get in touch with you, especially if you have someone, someone's listening and they are struggling to get through the codependency, trying to walk away from a toxic relationship, how would they contact you? Um, they can email me at BridgetZoltek at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-D-G-E-T-Z-O-L-T-E-K at gmail.com. All right, or you can look me up on Facebook. All right, they can find you on Facebook as well. Well, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope your artwork continues to sell and bless people. And to all our I just I just got a call from my agent um, yesterday that two of the Bible verse pictures mm-hmm. have been licensed and will be put on journals. That's phenomenal. Congrats yeah, so on that. So it's going to help a lot of people. Congrats. That's a big deal. That's not an easy thing to accomplish. It's No, it's not. It's, that is awesome. But I'm so thrilled that 
other people see the value in it and that it's going to get out there and get into the hands of the people that need it. That's exactly right. I love that. That's great. All right. To all our listeners, thank you so much. I have no doubt that today you heard something that flipped your lid and we pray that you're able to reconnect to who you really are. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today.